I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD try to make this one as quick as humanly possible <laughs> um just just for this episode because it's you know we just wrapped up the uh, first two games of the west coast trip and you know over here on the east coast those games don't start until 10 p.m so right now it's well past midnight and we're gonna have to record talk about two games and then edit and then publish it afterwards so we're gonna try to keep it quick just for this episode and maybe the next one because it's a west coast trip um but we'll be back to normal soon but um i'm gonna try to summarize these two games as best as i can in this brief inversion of the podcast but hopefully it's uh it's enough uh this is episode 206 of bd4 of the podcast uh, i am your host rj carbone hope everybody's having a good night what's going on Hope everybody has had a um, good week, and I hope we're ready for the weekend. Some stuff happened this week. We, uh, you know, the inauguration. So, uh, what else happened? And that was, you know, and and, and sports go on. <laughs> um, uh, trying to think, trying to think. Oh, the Nets lost tonight. Yes. Oh man, I would love for nothing more than than for the New, Jer- New Jersey Nets to just flop with this whole big three thing. <laughs> that would that would that would just satisfy me. Um, and then tomorrow, or as you are listening, today is tomorrow. Tomorrow is today. I'm recording this basically right after Friday night's game where the Knicks dropped to the Kings. So as you're listening to this, it's it's Saturday, sometime on Saturday. So the McGregor fight is tonight. I am thrilled for that. I've been hitting so much luck on FanDuel, knock on wood, lately that I'm going to use all that house money on the uh, on the card tomorrow. Check out the prelims, check out the main card, and obviously going to throw most of it down on the the main event. I think the co-event it's Dan Hooker and somebody else, <laughs> but that's about all I recognize on the card. I have to go over and look. But um, the, the McGregor fight, him and uh, Poirier. I'm fairly new to UFC, so excuse me if I don't know his name. But last time they fought, McGregor took the victory, and uh, so this is a, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, "Why is why are we fighting him again?" You know, I would have liked, and I think everybody wants to see McGregor, McGregor fight Khabib or go against Diaz again and try to get his revenge on one of those two guys. But 
nonetheless, it's exciting to see him back out there. Anytime McGregor fights, I am all in and I am watching it. So that's going to be a fun, fun night. Um, so the Knicks, again, I, I said I don't want to waste time and here we are about five minutes in. I'm already bullshitting. Um, they listen before we even pick it apart. It's it's a good thing that we're finally watching these games with the different mindset, right? Like the like the last couple of years, Knicks fans, us, we go into these games thinking, you know, oh they they'll probably lose, but I just want to see R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, Frank Milikina play well, right? If some of those guys get it going, at least it's a positive and the youth can continue to develop. That has been our mindset for the past several seasons. So it's a good thing that we finally, it seems like, we're finally kind of transforming or, or I think, you know, for better words, progressing, I think is probably a better word here, that we can finally start thinking about winning and losing when watching these games, right? It's not just, we're not going into the games with the mindset, with our mindsets, with our mindset on individual performances, but rather team performance. And I think that's huge. We're finally getting to a point where, and again, hopefully, hopefully this is sustainable, but we're finally getting to a point where we can watch the Knicks with winning and losing on our minds. Right, and it's not like we're just immune to getting to rack, racking up losses. Right, that's a good sign. But I, I I got so pissed at tonight's Kings loss. I was yelling at the TV. In the past, the only reasons I yell at the TV is because certain players are not getting a certain amount of minutes or blah blah blah. But I was yelling at the TV because I wanted the Knicks to win the game, and they didn't. And that's I, I love that. I take that as a positive. That we're finally in a position to where we can get mad because the Knicks blow a chance at winning a game. So in the third quarter tonight, when when Tom Thibodeau stuck with the the first unit far too long, specifically the wretched Peyton and the useless Bullock, I was really pissed because I thought that was going to be the reason, which it was, in my opinion, that the Knicks lose. And I love that we can do that. We can finally start getting mad at losses. You know? Listen, 8-9. and 8-9? Nine, eight and nine? Yeah, 8-9 and nine is nothing special. 8-9 and nine is as mediocre as it gets. But I mean, we've been in the basement, in the toilet. We've been in the basement bathroom the last couple of seasons. So 8-9 and nine is, is everything to us right now. Is it eight and nine or is it seven and eight? I don't know. <laughs> Pretty sure it's eight and nine. Um, so I'll take it, <clears throat> right? I'll take that. So let's head to break, and when we get back, we'll we'll dive into the Warriors game from a couple nights ago, and then we'll dive into the second game of the back to back against the Kings, and then we'll pretty much wrap things up. All right, be right back.
Hey fellows, so really briefly before we get back into things here, I just want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast to BD4, then you can go do that right now on my website. You can go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to this podcast, BD4, and if you want, follow me on social media and subscribe to the blog that I write, just go to my website. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Guys, thank you so much, and let's get right back into it. All right, so game one, or game one. Um, the Warriors game, I don't know, <laughs> on Thursday night, um, the Knicks take a, an impressive victory. And obviously this is not the Warriors from years ago, a couple years ago, but it's still a solid squad, right? Uh, Clay Thompson is out with injury. Uh, Draymond Green didn't really play much in this one because he got ejected in the first half. Um, but they have Steph Curry. And overall, they have a better roster than the Knicks. So I don't really want to hear the excuse that I heard when the Knicks pummeled the Celtics. The Jason Tatum excuse. Those two teams have better rosters with or without their stars still. And the Knicks beat them. And so this this game, the Knicks take the Warriors 119 to 104. Uh, the Knicks, it's the return of Alec Burks. Um, he comes back, and you know, we'll get to him in a second. But so to start out, first quarter, the Knicks end up scoring 40 points. Uh, Reggie Bullock and R.J. Barrett are on fire. You know, Bullock hits three triples, uh, shooting off of pin downs, looking like Ray Allen. RJ scoring from all areas, you know, pull-ups, catch-and-shoot three-pointers, uh, hit a floater, hit some free throws, throwing one down in transition. Um, you know, Randall's moving the ball around. He had five assists. He was playing defense, rebounding, doing his thing. Great first quarter. Knicks go on an 11-0 run in the first to go up 18-8, not even midway through. You know, RJ's assisting. He's scoring. Um, and the Knicks, again, they score 40 points. Um, towards the end of that first quarter, Steph Curry kind of gets hot and torches over Peyton. <laughs> um, but the Knicks still finish the, the frame up nine points. Going into the second, the second unit comes in and, and they kind of struggle a bit. It's not really the same. Um, you know, guys aren't really getting it going. IQ didn't have that same pizzazz. That he's had lately. Not the same effect. He had issues running the offense. Obi's still out of sync. Um, Burks looked good. You know, he spaced the floor. He had five of his 11 points in the second period. Uh, but overall, it was kind of a different, difficult quarter for the Knicks. Scoring just 23 points in the period. Um, which is the lowest they had in all four periods. Uh, Golden State was throwing the zone defense at them. And, you know, again, they were kind of confused by it. They couldn't really get it going. Um, and so the Knicks struggled. And there was an 11-4 Warriors run at one point, led by pretty much Eric Pascal. But Wiggins hit a three to cap off that run. 
and that brought the Warriors within four, 46 to 42. This was about like I want to say midway through the quarter. But fortunately, uh, towards the end of the second quarter, the end of the half, R.J. Barrett gets it going again, and he hits a pair of free throws to conclude the half um, with an 8-2 Knicks run. And the Knicks go into the half 63-57 with the lead. <clears throat> second half comes, and after having zero points in the first two quarters, Mitchell Robinson takes over, going nine points in each of the third and fourth to score 18 out of 8 of 11. Um, four rebounds in the third period, nine points. He's blocking shots, throwing down dunks, crashing the glass, and getting involved in pick and roll. And that's the one thing I really want the Knicks to continue to do with Mitch. And we saw it last night, and we saw it again tonight, which we'll get to against the Kings, um, is to run more PNR action with Robinson. Because I think if they do this more, if they get him involved in pick and roll more and throw him more lobs, even more, He's a 15 points guy more consistently, right? Because he doesn't have a lot of moves, right? He doesn't create for himself yet. The jumpers, the only time we see him shoot a jumper is on damn social media. Um, so while we're waiting for him to, to kind of learn some moves here and there or shoot a jumper, while we're waiting for that, let's throw him some more lobs and, and let's play to his strengths. And his strength is rim running. So let's get him involved there more. And we saw that last night against the Warriors, and we saw that against the Kings tonight when he scored 12 and 10. So we'll get to that, but he takes over in the second half of that Warriors game. Um, IQ and Obi kind of get it going a little bit. They're developing some chemistry. You know, quickly found Obi on a baseline cut. I think in the third period, uh, IQ then later drills a three off of top and screen in the second half. They kind of had some good one-two game going. Uh, so we need more lineups of those two guys together. I would like to see that. Um, and on the other hand, uh, Curry. He had a good game for Golden State. Scored 30 points. But, you know, regardless, the Knicks took advantage. Whenever Curry went to the bench, the Knicks took full advantage of that. And uh, we saw that when they kind of pulled the game away. And, you know, it wasn't really a huge lead, but it was enough to where you felt confident in the Knicks pulling away taking the victory. Uh, it was like the first six or five or six minutes before Curry entered back in midway through the fourth where the Knicks took advantage. And he comes back in, he scores a flurry of points, but again, it was a little too late. By the time he checks in, the Knicks are up 15 halfway through. So, And that was pretty much it. It was just a good game. Uh, again, defensive effort. The Knicks, as they've been doing all year, they allow open threes to the guys who don't really shoot the threes well. And it's where the three-point shots are being taken, right? Most of them, most of those open threes they allow are above the break. They're not allowing the short corner three. So that's, you know, we see defensive schemes like that with other successful teams in the league. I think the Boston Celtics do it um, with Stevens. So it's, you know, it was a good defensive effort. Um, offensively, it was an outburst. Again, Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett leading the way. Those are the two guys Knicks fans want to see do well. Um, and Randall, too. Uh, R.J. goes 28 points, 5 assists. You know, again, scoring all over the court in the first half. Getting those timely buckets in the second half. Mitchell gets the 18 points, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks in 27 minutes. Erupts in that second half. And Randall 
one assist shy of a triple-double with 16, 17, and 9. Uh, he was 4 of 11, but again, he didn't force it. He did other things. Noel actually played good, too. He had four blocks. Um, good for him. Uh, still brings zero offense. And tonight, he was he regressed back to the dog shit he is. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, that was game... That was the game against the Warriors. Uh, yeah, the Kings. <laughs> the Kings. Um, it was an odd game. I don't really want to recap it 1-4. to four. Uh, Pretty much just a bleh game. The Knicks didn't do too much. Um, they shot 5 for 22 from the arc. You're not going to win when you, when you do that. Especially when you allow the Kings to shoot 12 for 34. Not great, but much better than 5 for 22. Um, the Knicks were also pretty sloppy at the rim. And, you know, their three knockdown shooters in Knox, Bullock, and Burks combined to go 5 for 23, I think it was. So, that's not good. <laughs> um, RJ Barrett at least played well. He, again, he seems to finally, you know, have found some kind of rhythm. He goes for 21 points, 8 for 17. 2 for 2 from deep, 3 of 3 at the free throw stripe, and he gets 7 more rebounds, 3 more assists. Uh, the kid's playing well right now, right? The kid is playing well. You know, we, we, we don't need to repeat ourselves. Again, we're trying to keep this episode short, but he's playing to his strengths. He's not launching 6, 7 threes a night like he was when he was struggling or forcing them. It wasn't always about the quantity, but the quality. He's not forcing three-point shots. He's taking the open catch-and-shoot ones in the corner. But most of his scoring is done inside the arc. Running in transition. Doing that a lot lately. And he's excellent there. Um, slashing. Dribble handoffs with Randall. You know, he's playing to his strengths. And that's when you're going to get RJ at his best. You know, that's the, the Jimmy Butler light version that we're talking about here the you know DeMar DeRozan at his very best that we want to see in RJ and that's you know what we've been getting lately and what I like is is his streak of late you know maybe six games um it's not like he's been on fire so it's not like it's unsustainable right he's scoring you know in the low 20s I know he had a career high 28 last night but, but for the most part He's hovering around 20-something points, 20, you know, the low 20s, and he's shooting the ball, you know, just at 50%. So it's nothing like it's, it's, I don't expect him to crash down to earth again. You know, I think if he can just hover around this mark, be consistent, and look to score 20 every night and bring that mentality, that will take so much pressure off of Julius Randle, who was, he has to do so much out there, and he's getting triple team, double team more often right now, and we're seeing him, you know, kind of lose some of that dominance lately because guys know he's our only legitimate option um, outside of Barrett. So it's good to see Barrett play strong like this. And we hope that this consistency can, we hope that this strong play can become some, some, something more, right? And he's consistent for hopefully the, the remainder of the season, you know, right? No more wild stretches um, as we got earlier. 
So RJ was good. Randall goes for 26, 15, and 4. Goes 8 for 13 on his two-point shots. Um, and Mitch goes 12 points, 10 rebounds. He had a nice night. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't go 5 for 22 and expect to win. I thought the Knicks lost this game in the third quarter when Tom Thibodeau stuck with his first unit way too long. Particularly, it was Peyton Bullock for far too long. Um, and they always do that. He always does this in the third period. It, it's so maddening to have to sit through. But you get Alfred Payton out here, you know, he hits one layup and he starts to get confident and he pulls up and he'll start stepping back and spotting up for three. It's it's pathetic. It's embarrassing. It shouldn't have to be happening anymore. Knicks fans shouldn't have to be sitting through this, but here we are. And you had... Peyton out there with a minus 15 tonight, and he gets 31 more minutes. I don't understand it. You know, IQ wasn't necessarily killing it either. But again, it's not really the point. The point is IQ's a younger guard with an upside, right, who was drafted because he does modern NBA things. And Peyton can't and doesn't do that. Nobody wants to watch out for Peyton anymore. I don't want to get too into it because I've been repeating myself all friggin' season. Um, but it's, it, you know, anything at this point. At this point, we take anything. I mean, he has such a long leash. He makes so many mistakes. He he can vomit all over the floor. But he's going to guarantee, he's guaranteed to get his minutes. Quickly makes one or two Bad decisions. And he's made some bad decisions lately. Pretty poor decision making. But he's yanked as soon as he makes a bad decision. I don't... It's, you know, Tibbs has always been known to to favor the vets. And we're seeing that, unfortunately, with the point guard situation. Honestly, at this point, it doesn't even have to be quickly. You know, if he doesn't want to start quickly, I would, I, I would do anything. Call Harper back up to the NBA. I would go point Burks. And like I said earlier last episode, RJ, some point forward. At least that'd give him ball time. Uh, Frank, Powell, a potato chip, me. Somebody else at point guard. I can't do this Peyton shit. Nobody can. Nobody wants to. The Lonzo Ball rumors are starting to swirl again. Lonzo's not even a true number one. I mean, anybody but Alfred Payton. And yeah, let's let's not forget, Bullock has not been good. He'll have a couple of nice nights here and there, but I think it's like 65-35. Bad games versus good games, and that might be really optimistic. He had zero points tonight in 21 minutes. He couldn't get open. He only took a few shots. He couldn't get open. He has a good game like he did against the Warriors. But then he'll just go right back into his mediocre self. And I don't want to hear, you know, Thibodeau's fucking reasoning is, is they play good defense. That's why they're out there. No. At some point, you got to realize you're in 2021 and as good as the Nick defense has been, you need some offense. You need offense to survive in this league. And, you know, their defense, their top 
they're they're first in points per game. They're top three in pace, uh, not pace, uh, in um, defensive rating. And, you know, last time I checked, their field goal percentage defensively was number one. That's great. But you look at the flip side, and their offensive game is bottom of the barrel. It's exactly the opposite. And in 2021, you can't survive long without offense. You can't even be a 500 team or hover around that mark for long without offense. So that's why I'm thinking, you know, as happy as we are right now, I still don't think the Knicks are a good team. I don't think they're a terrible, unwatchable product like they've been the past couple of seasons. But with the way their offense looks, the majority of the time, you know, erratic, um, lost, and a lot of that has to do with Peyton at point guard. I don't see them being this team who hovers around the eight seed. I think they're going to be just missing out on the playoffs this year. I think they'll be a watchable product. Again, 72 games, so let's say they'll hover around, I don't know. They'll be about seven. I would like to think if they keep playing hard, yada, yada, they'll finish the season seven to ten games below 500. And I will accept that. I think that's progress. With the roster, that's with the roster that's very clunky and you know kind of mismatchy. I'll take that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Was that third quarter? I thought that's where they lost this game, sticking with the starters for way too long. In particular, it was Peyton and Bullock. <laughs> Anything for those two at this point. Um, Knox continues to regress. It's like five games in a row now where he's been really quiet. Uh, in single figures. Uh, Nerland's Noel regressed tonight. He's pretty much Ennis Cantor, but the opposite. You know, the anti-Cantor, where he's bad on offense, but really good on defense. <laughs> and even defensively, he has his moments where it's like, eh. Um, Mitch, again, we got to continue to feed this guy more often. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, he had 18 the other night. He had 12 tonight. That's becoming more of a thing where he's not just cleaning up on the offensive glass, but we can throw him more lobs out of PNR. That'd be nice. He had some nice dunks from the short corner tonight. Love when he's hovering down there and we find him. Beautiful basketball. Um, so yeah, you love that RJ is playing good. Um, you know, you love that Mitch is starting to bring some offense to the table. Uh, Randall continues to play like an all-star. Um, the Knicks playing hard defensively. Their offense, it's, it's, it's at some point, it's got to start doing stuff. Um, but again, I don't know how good that O can be when you keep running out Alfred Payton. And I think that's really it. I don't want to go too long tonight. I know that there's so much stuff that I'm missing. You know, I, I could talk about a lot. Hallie Burton played really good tonight for the Kings. Obi didn't. Obi really hasn't found a rhythm yet. And the reactionary Knicks fans are kind of going nuts over that. Now, if you were one of the uh, 
fans who wanted to draft Hallie Burton and were against Obi, sure, you know, go nuts. But if you were for the Obi, you know, selection, um, and I was, you can't really say much right now. Shut your mouth. <laughs> um, but you know, it's hard to to not see it. You know, and see that we have Peyton, where we could have Hallie Burton. And to see Obi struggling so much, <laughs> you know, it's difficult in hindsight. But, you know, it's it's the guy's barely played. What is he, five, six games into his career? Coming off the injury, so take it slow. Let's Let's not be prisoners of the moment. And, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I just, what do we got the Blazers next? I just hope we can, we just, just keep playing the youth, get Peyton out of there and keep competing. That's it. All right, um, I'm fine with where we are at the moment. I just need Peyton out of there. We've got to stop that, and we have to stop justifying it. We are 25% into the season on Sunday. So once Sunday approaches, we will be one quarter into the NBA season. And we're still starting a guy who is a dinosaur in today's game. And is not a good one. He has an extinct game. And his one strength hasn't even been that good. Because his assist to turnover rate this season? No. Gotta get him off the floor. And the overrated defensive narrative, that has to go too. Because he's getting obliterated off the dribble by opposing guards. The Aaron Fox was running amok. Curry, you know, Trey Young has abused him. He's just not doing the job. Get Peyton out of here. And that's it. That's my TED Talk. Let's head to the question of the day, and we'll wrap this shit up. Alright, so in, uh, in episode 205, last time out for our... NYY NYK question of the day. I asked you guys who led the Knicks in assists, steals, and triple doubles during the 1979-1980 season. The answer to that, once again, who led the Knicks in assists, steals, and triple doubles in the 1979-80 season? Michael Ray Richardson. It was Michael Ray Richardson who played all 82 games and led the Knicks in assists, steals, and triple doubles. So that was the answer to um, the NYYMYK question of the day for 205. But tonight's episode, in episode 206, our NYYNYK question of the day brought to you by Anchor the best way to make a podcast 
download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. But tonight's NYYMYK question of the day, brought to you by Anchor, is in the 1993-1994 NBA season, which Nick became an all-star for the first and only time in his career? Okay, so in the 1993-1994 NBA season, which Nick became an all-star for the first and only time of his career? Time in his career. Um, If you need a hint, this is a guy who played 10 seasons for the New York Knicks. He was a very good player, despite only having one all-star appearance. Very good player. So, one last time, maybe... Um, in the 1993-94 season, which Nick made his only all-star appearance. All right, so guys, that is the question for 206. That's our MYYMYK question of the day. Guys, thank you for stopping by. Thanks for tuning in. This is your host, RJ Carbone, with episode 206 of the podcast of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And um, that's that. That's all I've got for this one. <laughs> Guys, thanks for tuning in. And I'll um, I'll see you in the next one. I'm sorry. I'm just so tired. I, I can't go. You know, we could have went on for 25, 20 more minutes and talked about a lot more. But I'm just... The West Coast trip takes a lot out of me. Especially when we lose. I don't have the energy. So, that's all I've got for this one. Thank you for stopping by. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Alright. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.